0: Good morning to everyone. I believe in evangelism, so I brought a friend today. Uh, I'd like to introduce you to a good friend of mine. His name is Fred. So, hello, Fred. Uh, Fred is a—he uh, represents. He's a—he's a full-blown five-foot-four human skeleton, and uh, he represents our carnal nature. He represents our sinful nature. He represents the old man. That's what the Bible calls him. So would you like to say hello, Fred? Wave to them. You can wave. You see, he even moves and stuff. Really, really good. So listen, Fred, at the end of the sermon, I'm going to give an altar call, and I'd really like you to raise your hand. I think you need to get saved. I really, really do. But before we do that, we need to worship. So we're just going to raise up our hands. Can we raise our hands here? Fred, raise your hands. No, I'm not Pentecostal. This, Fred, listen, don't. he's really argumentative. He really, really is. Uh, Fred, listen, we're going to take tithes and offerings. Should we put our hands in our pockets and take it? Uh, no, I don't want to. Uh, you know, I wish I was a really good ventriloquist, because you all were looking at my lips, weren't you? But this is Fred. He represents the bad part of us. What do you want to do, Fred? You just want to sit there? You, or you want to copy them? What, and go to sleep? Okay, that's fine. You just stay there and go to sleep. We will talk to you a little later. Our title of my sermon this morning is Celebrate Being Dead. I've got some glasses here. And if I put on my dark glasses, I'm really battling to see you. I I can't really see anyone. I can see some bright lights and that's about it. These lenses have changed what I see. But if I take this other pair of glasses over here, I'll put these one now. These bend the light. These these bring things into focus. And oh my goodness, I, I, I can see my notes from here. Look at that. Isn't that fantastic? This is absolutely brilliant. I can see much clearer, because lenses change what you see. Some of us have grown up in life, and, and we had we've had some really negative experiences, and we've had some bad stuff happen to us. So it's tinted what we see, and everything from here onwards is kind of framed from this. It could be your upbringing. As we saw, some people were forced to go to church. And uh, so as a result, (laughs) it's framed the way they see church. And just by the way, that's not a bad thing. Parents, I encourage you to do that. As long as you, young man, live in my house, you will do as I say and we go to church. There's absolutely nothing wrong with some good discipline. Okay, that is not a bad thing to say, hey, we do this. If you don't like it, there's the door. Oh, wait that's so hard. Now, what am I saying? Let's just leave that alone. That's another sermon. I, I repent. Right. So you could actually put on some new glasses and see some things differently. Maybe it's your religious background. You saw things differently. You've been looking at life. You've been reading the Bible like this through dark glasses. And now today I'm hoping the Holy Spirit is going to put on some new glasses. Do you like my new glasses? I borrowed them from Claire. <laughs> He's a chap in the Bible who had lens change. His name was Saul. Saul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was the strictest sense. He was a legalist. He went to the best Bible school in the entire country. He hung out with other Pharisees, scribes, lawyers. He was what we call a religious nutcase. Do you know any religious nutcases? Come on, somebody here knows a religious nutcase. No, don't look at me. You see, Saul, he was studying a book should have been studying the author of the book. To understand the Bible, you don't need to use your head. You should be using your heart. The Bible isn't a whole bunch of theology statements, rules of do's and don'ts. The Bible is actually a storybook. It's a story of how God loves people in different situations. It's a story of how God wants to intervene and come into your life. It's not a bunch of rules. Saul, though, He was just reading the Bible from this legalistic theology approach. He hated with a passion these new Jesus followers. So he started persecuting them endlessly. He was so convinced he was right, he even had a letter from the religious leaders giving him permission to persecute the Jesus followers. When you begin to see with new lenses, it's amazing how religious folk will start to empower criticism against you. He started stoning people, separated families, breathing slaughter and murder down people's throats. He believed 100% he was serving the purposes of God. He was looking through these old legalistic lenses. But, thank goodness, Jesus intervenes. And Saul has an encounter with Jesus. And these lenses are taken off. He's blinded for three days. And he hears this voice speak to him and say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Can you imagine all of a sudden now he's got these new lenses on. And he suddenly says, oh, my goodness, what have I been doing? What have I done to all the Christians? Can you believe? What is God? I have been persecuting Jesus. What's he going to do to me now? And you know what Jesus did? He sent a prophet to pray for him. Just by the way, I don't want to go into this too much, but he he went blind for three days, you see, because when you start to look at circumstances, it starts to dictate the way you think. And when you start to think a certain way, you speak a certain way, and you all know that there's a miracle in your mouth. And if you look at negative circumstances all the time, and you start looking and start thinking negative thoughts all the time, you start to speak negative, and you will get what you say. Jesus actually put a blind on him. This morning, I want to challenge you. This is my conclusion. Are you prepared? Are you prepared to actually have new lenses? I'm asking the Holy Spirit, could I have some new eyes? Yeah. I don't want to see things the way I used to see things. You know, it's not necessary that you are wrong. It's just more, I want to see with new eyes. I want to see more relationally, not academically. The key to learning is, is what are you prepared to unlearn? Wayne, I've been a Christian for 40 years. I know. Are you prepared to unlearn some of that? There's a chap, his name was Alvin Toffler. He said, the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who can't read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn, and relearn. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what, Saul encountered the greatest miracle. He became Paul because he unlearned some things, and he saw through new lenses. Paul now, teaching in the, in the Bible, he sees everything with this fresh approach. No longer is he looking with his dark glasses, but everything he sees now is through these new lenses. And I believe the Holy Spirit's been putting some new lenses on me the last week or two. And I've started to see some famous old scriptures in a whole new light. It's not that I was wrong specifically, I just wasn't right. I wasn't relational. Uh, Yes, in the facts of it, yes, true. but, But I was missing the heart of things. And I'd like to share a couple of those with you. You see, when Paul was teaching us about this greatest miracle ever, him being a born again, becoming a Christian, the greatest miracle it's ever been. Oh, it's great when a leg comes down. It's, it's great when, when fire falls on, on a burnt offering. It's great when blind eyes see. It's great, but do you know what? It's even greater when a heart is transformed and changed. Paul says this, and he talks of this, and he said in 2 Corinthians five twenty-one: For he made him, who, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might be righteousness. You know what, I always, you think Jesus just paid the price for me. I want to put it in the new lenses. He didn't just pay the price. He became the price. He paid. He became yep. sin. Yep. He became my carnal nature. No, no, no. Yes, he did, friend. He did. <laughs> that I might become Righteousness. Not made into righteousness, I became righteous. Poof! Oh my God, it's different to what I've been teaching. I need to undo a couple of podcasts. John chapter 1 says a very similar thing. But as many received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in His name, who were not born, not of the blood, but not, nor of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but we're born of God. When you get saved, ladies and gentlemen, you are not transformed from Fred status to holy status. You are born anew in God, born of God. The last time I checked, God doesn't make rubbish. He don't make broken stuff. It's sin that came into the world to corrupt it and everything. I am now made new. Oh, somebody say, hallelujah, I'm new. I'm fresh. Fred, don't look at this one. You're not going to like this. Likewise, you also reckon, consider yourselves dead. Consider that old man dead. Fred, bad news, mate, you're dead. I'm considering you dead. No, this is abuse. Yes, you are dead. <laughs> the Bible carries on and says, can the next verse, look at this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. Right. Dearly beloved, we have gathered here this morning to say farewell to Fred. No, no, I'm still alive. No, no. Now, Fred, just hang on a minute. We are going to bury you once and for all. I am considering you to have passed away and died. Now, die. Let's lay him down. Come on, Fred. There we go. Put your knees down. Come, Fred. There we go. Down. I consider the old man dead. I consider myself now alive. Oh, can we celebrate, please? Fred is dead. I am not fighting my carnal nature anymore. I'm not fighting the flesh. Why? He's dead. I've got my foot on his neck. He is dead. I'm made new. Oh, I can see some of the religious brains going. Hmm. Peter, when he was filled he, he with the Holy Spirit in the upper room, and he goes out and he preaches most, probably the most amazing sermon, and he says, repent and be baptized. You know what I thought? I thought that Jesus paid the price for our sin, and you're baptized to new life. Now you must be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and you must fight the flesh daily. That's what our religious tradition has taught us. In fact, Andrew, you're not going to believe, I even put this in one of our baptismal booklets. I put that in there. I liked it. You're dead to sin, you're buried with Christ, and then you get resurrected. But unfortunately, that's not quite the way the Bible says it happens. I'm skating on thin arse here. Wayne, are you sure you want to do this? Let me show you what the Bible says. Romans 6, 4, the first part, and I'll look at the second part on the next slide. We died and we were buried with Christ. Consider yourself dead. My sinful nature, old man, is dead. The carnal nature is dead. Consider him dead. Colossians 2 says the same thing. We've been buried with him into death. Yes, sir, we are dead. Fred, you are dead. I agree. But look at the next verse. Romans 6, the second half that says, just as Christ was raised from the dead. Can I ask you a question? Who was raised from the dead? Christ. Say it again. Who was raised from the dead? Christ. By the glorious power of the Father. Now we may also what? It doesn't say that you were resurrected. You see, I always thought, Fred, we're not going to be resurrected with Jesus. Come, son. Come, we're going to church now. We're going to get saved. It's a bit bandy. Don't worry. Uh, there we go. Now, Fred, we're going to renew your mind. Could you read your Bible every single day? I want you to read your bible you 're going to be good you 're going to do this you 're got to do this you got to do this. I need to it doesn 't say that Fred was resurrected from the dead. It says Jesus was resurrected from the dead. I have to live the new life that he created me in. He made me righteous i 'm in him I, I live here he 's dead no no i don 't want you. I want to be alive no he 's dead. Look at this, Second, uh, Colossians 2 says the same thing, we are in him, look at this, John 14, I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I in you. Claire said it all earlier, it's not who am I in Christ, it's who is Christ in me, how big is your God? Acts says a similar thing. For in him we live and move and have our being. In him. Not in Fred. Fred is dead. Oh, let's just celebrate. You see, some of us, we want to take Fred. Does anyone have any lipstick? And we put some lipstick on and we'll take Fred on a date. (laughs) And I'm working on this. I'm working on the old man. Some things I still want to get rid of. Repent, you sinner, you. And every week we come to church, we repent, and then we carry on doing what we did before. Because you're trying to keep the old man alive. You have to consider him dead. Consider him dead. Just by the way, if any of you say there's a strong likeness between the two of us, (laughs) Fred is dead. You see, (laughs) I, I want to redraw that picture. It's not so much the old picture. It's like this. There's Fred and me. Fred dies. I live in him, in Jesus. That's why the glow, Jesus. I'm in him. Fred remains dead. I can't find anywhere. It says it resurrected your old man. See, I'd like to say to you, you don't have a sinful nature anymore. You just have a sin habit and you can kick the sin habit. Your sinful nature is dead. Some of you are thieves. You keep stealing what Jesus was and paid for. Fred is on the cross. That's taken care of. God's not worried about Fred and the sinful nature anymore. He's worried about who you are in Christ. Interesting, isn't it? Fred is dead. Ephesians chapter 4 says it this way. Put off... The old man, the old nature, put it off. Your former way of life, which is corruption, lust, and deception. And then you put on the new man. You see, st- oh, don't go your well. own. No amount of counselling, pray, anything else is going to fix Fred. Only the blood of Jesus nailed to the cross. All the counseling and all the Bible study, I need this here in the new man. God is not working on the old man. He's already taken care of it. He's working on the new man. I know you're not going to like this sermon, but sometimes we want to wear these old glasses because sometimes Fred has become your identity. Fred, I don't have a bad hair day, you're dead. It's not my identity. Look at this The saying. It's not about behavior modification. How often are we trying to change someone's behavior instead of allowing the, the Lord Jesus to nail that dead old man to the cross and us live in the new resurrected man? It's not about behavior modification. Can I say this humbly before you? You can't get peace by working on fear. And anxiety and worry. No amount of fixing worry is going to give you peace, because you see the Bible says, "My peace I give to you." It's a gift. You gonna work till you blue in your face trying to stop worrying. Don't worry about the worry, rather worry about the peace. No amount of working on sin and stopping sin is going to make you righteous. Jesus is free gift. Free gift of God. No amount of work on your depression is going to give you joy. Sorry, it's not very politically correct nowadays. But it's true, you see. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Who owns the joy? Where are you? Are you identifying with the flesh? Yes, 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 leave me alone. Or are you going to be in Him? No amount of working on your fear will create faith. Faith comes by reading and studying the Word of God. No amount of work on your anger problem will result in gentleness. It comes from the Holy Spirit. Wayne, aren't you advocating us becoming very undisciplined? Aren't we supposed to work on these things? Well, you see, a friend of mine at the conference, Graham Cook, he said "This discipline is an outcome, it's not the process. An outcome is a result, so discipline is the result, not the process. Some of us are so focused on trying to be disciplined. We're trying to work on our self-control. We're trying to work on our anger problem. We're trying to work on our righteousness. We're trying to work on work and work and work and work instead of just receiving, receiving, receiving. The Bible says delight yourself in the Lord. When you start to delight yourself in the Lord, the result will be discipline. I think one of the testimonies we had from the young people proved that. When the Holy Spirit came in on the scene, the heart changed and I want to be in His presence. And all of a sudden discipline came. With no amount of Mom and Dad shouting going to change it. Yeah. Good. We need Jesus. We need to see with new eyes. We need to see with new eyes. Fred would like to tell you that even Paul the Apostle said these words, "Why do I do the things that I hate?" And I should be doing the things I need to do, but I don't do those either. That's Romans 7:17. 7, Do you know what he said? Young people, listen to me carefully. You're going to need this one. Paul said this. It is not I who's doing it. Sin did it. (laughs) Next time, young people, mom gets in your case about the room or dad gets in the room. Yeah, dad's listening. Just say, it's not me who did it. Sin did it. That's Fred. I'm righteous. I'll slap you. You try that attitude with me, young man. (laughs) God is not working on the old man. He's only working on the new man. Doesn't the Bible say, and I think I actually put it up here earlier, in Ephesians it said that, be renewed in the spirit of your mind, let the same spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. And Romans says exactly the same thing. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Doesn't it say that? So now, Wayne, how, how do you. I've got to transform the mind because that's where we get this idea of raising up Fred, taking with us. We've got to transform him. We kind of think if I spend, if Fred spends enough time in the Bible, he will get saved, he'll get righteous, and he'll come over to the side of the fence. He has separated us from darkness and put us and translated us into his kingdom of light. There's not a renewal process. We're misreading that scripture. You see, you can't change Fred's mind. You can't. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 2.14, listen to this. The natural mind cannot receive. It's impossible to receive spiritual things. The Bible also says we have the mind of Christ. Not a carnal mind. Ah. No, I can't. No amount of reading this thing is going to transform that mind. I'm going to receive it. He says, listen to this, he says, my, uh, I'm going to give you the peace that passes all understanding. What's happening? We're trying to understand how we're going to get the peace. Maybe if you stopped trying to understand, you would receive the peace. We are looking things through the wrong lens. I'm trying to work at my peace. You don't need to. You need to receive it. And the gifts of God, they do come in seed form, so they've got to grow and multiply. I know that. I'm going to get there in a second. But it's not about behavior modifying. We're not trying to change his bad behavior to become a good one. What we don't need is a good sinner. We need some bad sinners and some good Christians. There's a lot of people out there, they, they're really good sinners. And they're fudging and they say, why do I need God? Okay, I'm doing pretty well on my own. And God says, you've got to be a new creation in me. A new creation in me. You know that word be transformed by the renewal of mind? Jesus takes uh, Peter, James, and John. He takes them up a very high hill. Sounds like something Glenn would take us on. A high hill on one of these men's walk things. And he gets to the top of these guys, and Jesus is transfigured in front of them. His face begins to shine, his whole body glistens like lightning. And there's Moses and Elijah with him. Do you remember the story? Yeah. Transfigured is the exact same word as renew. Be transformed in your thinking. It's a spiritual process. You see, this is what the Bible says. But we with all unveiled with, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed into the same image. From glory to glory, not from worm status to glory status. We're going from glory to more layers of glory. Fred is dead. See, it says there, as you behold in the mirror, Jesus. When I look at Jesus, the little faith and the little faith and uh, 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 um, patience and gentleness that's inside grows and grows and grows. And it goes from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. We're all thinking that worm is because of where the, the Greek word is actually metamorpho. Where we get the word metamorphosis from. And we're all thinking of the worm that spins a cocoon. Goes into a pupa, then comes out as a butterfly. So you're thinking if we can take Fred and make him read the Bible, we're going to be transformed from a worm status to butterfly status. I've got news for you. The worm is dead. That's why we asked the kids to leave the room. The worm is dead. No worm means to get a butterfly. If worm is still there, there's no butterfly. You're going to be transformed in the newing of your thinking in the spirit realm. So all your shoes are under the first front seat there. We're going from glory to glory. We're not going from worm. We're not trying to convert Fred. We have to accept he's dead. Your way of thinking is Dead we'll start thinking new. We have the mind of Christ. See, that Fred has been taken care of. But when, what happens when I do mess up? What happens when I do make a mistake? Well, the Bible's very clear. It says just repent. You want to repent forwards. You don't want to repent backwards. What do you mean by that? Well, have a look. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Can we just read this in Fred language? Fred, are you in the light? No. No. Well then, he's not in fellowship, is he? But we are, so the blood of Jesus forgives us of all unrighteousness. Let me give you a couple of examples, just two. Let's say you do the unforgivable. You start to worry and fret and get anxious. And it is a sin. And just by the way, no big deal about sin. Sin just simply means missing the mark. That's all. It's nothing bad. That's not what God expected of you. And the Bible actually says, do not worry and do not be troubled. So it is wrong to do that. So you start to worry, you get anxious, you're becoming like Fred. So now you want to repent because you come to church and you heard Wayne's sermon and you think, I've got to repent. So you go and repent. Oh God, forgive me. I'm so terrible. I've been worrying again. I've been pacing around in circles all day. Worrying, worrying, pacing up and down. I'm a miserable person. I'm just a sinner begging you to save me. No. No. That's repenting backwards. Repent forwards. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. Worry. You just say, Lord, I'm so Sorry. For not taking all the opportunities to receive your peace. I repented forward. It wasn't me, did it. Fred did it. Right. I'm here receiving peace. Lord, would you help me to receive more of your peace? Let's say, some of you can identify this one. You get cut off in the car. Some guy doesn't know how to use a roundabout in Poynton and, and cuts you off. And next thing, hand signals are going like crazy. And words are coming out of your mouth that are less than holy. And you get consumed with anger. And it's not even righteous, it is just plain, simple anger. And you're mad. It takes you a whole two weeks to come back to church. You're so cross. And finally, you decide you better repent. Oh, God, I'm a bad person. <laughs> And then you start cussing the devil. It's amazing. I've heard people think that if you cuss the devil out, that's good. What? You don't have to tell him to do this and go there and do that. You don't give the devil sign languages. You're sounding like very much like Fred would behave. You can't say, God, forgive me for my madness and my anger. Repent forwards. Fred's behind me. Lord, I'm sorry. I miss an opportunity to operate in your gentleness and your meekness. You see, it's not about behavior modification. It's celebrating being dead. You see, I'm trading my sorrow for his joy. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading it for his health. I'm trading my depression for His joy. Help me out here because someone's getting tired. I'm trading because I want more of Him in my life. I want to go from glory to glory to glory to glory. Stand up on your feet. Come on, we're gonna do some training this morning. We need to change something to our lives. Let's get it. With